0: B-F-F-T. B F T. Now, built by high-caliber millwrights. In for John Canzano, here's Judah Newby and Stephen Vaughn with
1: the ball, face, face, true. All right, a lot to get to here. John Canzano is covering the uh, courtroom hearing in Colfax. Stephen, have you seen anything major pop out of that yet? You never know with these things.
2: I uh, haven't seen anything major. Uh, it does seem like there is a lot of uh, attorneys there. John Cassano has tweeted that out. There is a lot of attorneys, <laughs> uh, and uh, the judge Gary Libby he he has a quote that says, "Isn't the Pac twelve survival of the utmost concern of all of the parties?" And quote, the Attorney in for UW says, "We're happy to see Washington State and Oregon State have a future in the Pac twelve or elsewhere." End quote. I don't know. Seems like uh, Washington or Washington doesn't care about Washington State or Oregon State or their future or the Pac twelve. But that's just me as an outsider.
1: <laughs> There's so much, so many uh, verbal bouquets being exchanged by all parties. So nothing major has come out of the uh, the courtroom hearing uh, yet. If and when it does, we will, of course, bring that news to you as it impacts Oregon State and Washington State and the departing institutions from the conference, what it means for the future of the Pac-2, what it means for Jonathan Smith as well. Chip Kelly reportedly going to be fired at UCLA following the USC game. That news is coming out, and those are reports that are coming out from Bruin Online. So, you know, if you trust that reputable UCLA blog, it looks like Chip's time is coming toward an end in a Westwood, and does that have any implications with Jonathan Smith's future at Oregon State? I
2: want to add this to Chip Kelly. The yeah. thing about him is... UCLA is kind of noted to be cheap, kind of a little bit, right? Especially on the football side, when it comes to money, they don't want to pay a lot of extra money. If they do find Chip Kelly, they owe him about $30 million.
1: So well, I just heard 76 for Jimbo, so my, <laughs> I'm like all over the place in my head. Is 30 a lot? I mean, it seems <laughs> like tongue-in-cheek. It, right? like, it's obviously, yeah. you know, tier like, point for UCLA. That's a chunk of change, and who knows if Aikman and, and uh, the Wassermans are right. fully committed to sign off on this. Maybe Martin Jarmon, the AD at UCLA. You know, he's an Ohio State guy. But Does I he also have one think foot out the door to replace, you know, the the Gene Smith at at, at Ohio State? Don't
2: I'm, you always think, though, that these people, though, when they are going to fire someone and pay that type of money, they're going to be willing to pay a lot of money for the next coach?
1: Yeah, big but that, time. That's, that's kind of what it is. That's, if you've got the deep pockets to do the buyout, you better have the deep pockets to get the guy you want. Otherwise, why do the buyout, right? It doesn't make any sense. You either got him or you don't. Uh, we are giving away, though, for some WWE Raw tickets to you and uh, the question was how many times has Dan Lanning moved his family and uh, in how many years let's go out to line number two Stephen Norm is in Tigard Norm give it a shot how many times has Dan Lanning and his family moved
2: I believe he's moved seven times in the last 11 years
1: oh man I think you are so close you have half of it right Norm you, you have half of it right, unless I'm wrong, which is also a possibility. Let's write down Norm's uh, contact because now now he's got me up in my head. Uh, but let's try line number six first. That's Matt in Portland. Matt, what's your what's your call? Norm had seven and eleven, and I think he got half of it right. What's your call?
0: Seven and thirteen.
1: that's it <laughs> you got it right <laughs> seven and 13 i'm not crazy that, that that's what it was seven and 13 he's moved seven times in 13 years with his family matt congratulations you've won a pair of tickets to wwe raw in january who are you taking with you
0: my son patrick
1: congrats patrick uh just watch out for any marbles being thrown on your head apparently that's a thing <laughs> at wwe events matt if you uh stay on hold we'll get some uh, of your information and uh, we'll get you some tickets sent your way as well and uh as we do that let's bring on our oregon state insider tj matthewson joining us he writes at 750 thegame.com uh you a wrestling fan at all tj we're, we're giving away tickets all day no, no, not at all. You got the wrong guy for that. <laughs> wrong guy, but you are a Mariner fan. Uh, we'll talk some beeves in a moment. Uh, what, what, what's your read on Otani's future? Does he have any chance to land in uh, in Seattle?
0: Well, it's making me a little nervous. The longer he takes, I think the uh, the idea was he's going to sign here in the first first three weeks. So there's about a month's time between when the World Series ends and he can sign in, in the winter meetings and. I think a lot of people guessed he was going to sign sometime in that frame. We're right smack in the middle of it right now. So, you know, I'm going to say the longer it takes, the, the more nervous and less optimistic I'll be. But apparently he's already got the ideas of uh, of where he's going to choose. So I guess now it's just up to him to leak more information so we uh, we know a little bit more.
1: TJ Matthews is in with us. He does, uh, he does a great baseball podcast as well, the Marine Layer Pod. I encourage you, if you're a baseball fan, to go check it out sometime. But he also writes... On Oregon State football for us at 750thegame.com, the Chip Kelly stuff is really heating up now, uh, TJ. You've got Bruin Report online uh, saying that after the USC game, it's expected that Chip Kelly will part ways with UCLA. Some buyout money involved in there as well. Uh, How is that being received uh, in real time in Corvallis right now?
0: Well, I, I think it's no secret that everyone knows where Jonathan Smith is from, but you guys did bring up to an interesting point. It's like, okay, so how much does UCLA really care at, care about football? And in, in the, I would say there's a lot of factors of, of how, uh, that would be received if, of how realistic people think that is, because you see, like uh, the, the two LA schools for college football, like people are not looking at UCLA of like, that is a dream destination for any coach to go to, to, to build up a program. Now, they're about to move into a conference with a full share of television money, unlike the other Pac-12 schools that are that are headed that way next season. So the resources could absolutely increase. And I think the buyout money, guys. By the way, from what I'm looking here, I think I see like eight or nine million, not thirty. Oh, okay. But thirty sounds like I was like thirty is more than than Gus Malzahn got at Auburn, which was the former record until Jimbo broke it this weekend. So I was going to say That's thirty dollars. Good luck, <laughs> good luck having UCLA spend thirty million dollars on anything in their football program, let alone firing Chip Kelly. So i I think it I, I think it's interesting. It makes sense. Uh, the recruiting base is strong there for Jonathan, uh, but I would say this it's a little early, and I think the the wheels would have to move on Chip Kelly first before anything uh, anything serious would come out. But it the timing is doesn't make people feel comfortable. I'll say that much.
1: Well, because you got that, and you got the hearing today tj like that's right. part of it too so he got these things yeah. in real time we we're talking about it on the show uh what about mm-hmm. the hearing the results of, of what's going to come down here in the next hour or two on oregon state's future and also jonathan smith
0: so it, it, you guys know like in the next week like we're going to have a a good idea so we'll know what job is open we'll know if ucla is open and two like after today, the, the controlling interests in the conference know who controls the money, whether the money from this year, the money for next year, who has voting rights on the board, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, Jonathan Smith, by this time next week, will have a much clearer vision of where the future of this program is. Let's say with Scott Barnes and all the higher-ups at Oregon State. Like they're, they're going to have a much better idea of what the next two years, next three years contains for this university – if if everything gets concluded today, of course they could continue to bump it. The judge can bump it back if they feel like they need to. But once this finishes, I mean, everyone's going to have a much better idea. So that's why I say with the timing, it's just not, it's not great because if it's not the news that you know some of these great coaches at Oregon State want to hear, or some of the higher ups at Oregon State want to hear, of course, like there, there's always things out there, and we haven't. Uh, it's wouldn't be the first time we've seen people you know jump off and go somewhere they they think is better and. More secure and more sustainable. I hope everyone here. I hope does not hope that happens. Though I hope they hope good news out of today. I mean, you gotta get
1: resolution sooner rather than later. Hell, you need it right now if you're Oregon State, right? Because you got the coach thing, but you also got transfer portal opening in early December. Like, if you don't have resolution or, or clarity, you could be in a lot of trouble.
0: Port. Yeah, portal's open, and the thing I keep thinking about, they still don't have a TV deal for next year. Like, wh- where are they playing?
1: YouTube live yeah, <laughs> pay yeah, pay per view i don't know YouTube,
0: yeah yeah YouTube, <laughs> maybe there's a Twitch new
1: market for Twitch. yeah for a la carte Oregon state games maybe there's a new market for that just don't put it on root yeah. sports plus that, that, that's all i'm saying but you're yeah, right you're no. right that's it's, it's that's another thing find. exactly that's a, but that's just another reason why like yeah they need uh the timeline you know the next hour and a half is like massively important i feel like just for the timeline with everything how much of it can you feel is impacting the coaching staff and the players if at all.
0: Well they don't they don't let it be shown at all. I mean, the, the consistent message throughout the season is, you know, this week, this week, this week, this week. I mean, we're trying to ask them about what this next two week stretch entails. Last week against Stanford and it's like, you know, we got to get we got a game to play on Saturday. That's all we're focused on. And the play on the field represented that. They came out and played their best game of the season against Stanford and really set themselves up for what's going to be just an, an amazing two-game stretch here, probably arguably the two biggest two-game stretch that the Beavers have played as a football program coming up here this week. So it's it's really going to be a treat to treat to watch, and I don't think the coaches let any of that get to them as, as they're heading into this two-week stretch.
1: We're talking to T.J. Matthewson, our Oregon State Beavers insider at 750thegame.com. Judah Nubi and Stephen Vaughn in for John Cazzano. Steven, you got some for TJ.
2: Yeah, TJ, what's going on, man? I uh, love your work, first of all, for 750 the Game. Go check that out, 750 game.com But um, I asked John this at the start of the show. Is Oregon State the second-best team in the Pac-12 right now? Looking ahead. Right now, their favorites, slight favorites over Washington at home. Is that the right call that Vegas has, that Oregon State is a better team at region Stadium than Washington is, even though Washington undefeated, you know, right in the college football playoff race?
0: Vegas is right. I think this Oregon State team, when you take them on the road, they, I don't know, they could be like the fourth or the fifth best team in the Pac-12, if that. They could be, they could be worse than that. This team at Research Stadium, just especially, I would say especially on defense, are really are just able to take it to another level. And we've seen that over the the last you know few seasons, 16 and one in their last 17 home games. That's like that's a pretty absurd part. And if and if you follow gambling at all, like it's not only uh, not only do have they won you know 16 or 17 at home. But but they also cover the spread at home by over ten points. By, like even if they're favored by you know two touchdowns, they'll cover it by twenty four on average at home. And and then, like that's pretty ridiculous. So I don't I don't think it's a, to say that they're the second best team in the conference if they're playing it at Research Stadium. However, you know if I think the Ducks came in uh, and they Vegas spit out of line yesterday, it would still probably be the Ducks by a touchdown. So you know I think that that works out. But I don't think any other team in this conference and it reflects this week would. Would be favored if the Beavers are playing at home. Yeah, how,
1: uh, how how much are they looking forward to being at home here? You got four thirty ABC. They've been on the road for a couple of weeks now, um, uh, and well, I guess they had the Stanford game this past weekend. And th- frankly, that was the reason why I thought that they were going to cover the spread against Stanford was the fact that just at home they cover spreads. That's what Oregon State does. Yeah, uh, they, they find a way to do that. Um, they hardly play, you know, uh, uh, close games, especially when they're ho- the home favorite. But with this Husky team coming into town, I mean, this is by far. I mean, I guess since the Oregon game last year, since the USC game last year, this is the biggest home game Oregon State has had in some time. Is there a chance that they're emotionally overhyped for this game, knowing that uh, knowing all that's at stake, and it's the final home game at Razor Stadium of them being in the Pac-12?
0: I don't think so, because that would just be sort of out of character of what we see. If if that does happen, I would be kind of surprised. I would say, like, part of the reason, Judah and Steven, that that they've been able to be so consistent at home winning all these games and covering all these spreads is because they haven't let that affect them. Or if they haven't let it, I would say, overwhelm them in effect. There's going to be a ton of emotion. I mean, it's going to be senior night. It's going to be – the, one of the not the probably not the last game against Utah, but the last one for probably a few years, maybe a decade. Who knows how long that is? I mean, this is a rivalry that dates back a long, long time. And everyone, you know, everyone's aware of all this. We have Jonathan Smith's connection to, to the Huskies as well. And, you know, coming down on the road, and one of the main catalysts for the reason that this conference won't exist next year is the, the Washington Huskies and their head coach and their president of making that decision way back in August. So, there's a whole lot of factors going into this, but I would say on the Oregon State side, I, I don't know I don't know if the emotion will come from the game itself. might maybe just be a little bit more for senior day for some of those guys going out.
2: TJ, um, I don't understand why ESPN's not coming to Corvallis for game day. How upset are, are you feeling the fans are right now that game day is going to James Madison instead of going to a potentially a top-ten matchup where – you know, a team could get eliminated from the college football playoff or a team like Oregon state could, you know, really, you know, solidify itself and jump up into the top 10, get close to that top five. Like how mad are fans right now? And how upset are you? Cause I'm pretty upset. Like I'm not even a fan and I'm upset about this. I can't even imagine what B fans are thinking right now.
0: I don't think the fans were as upset as, uh, as upset as I expected. I expected a little bit more, but you know, talking, talking to a few of them and, hearing some of our callers here at KEJO, both after the game and and this week, it it didn't seem like people were that upset about it. The the Beavers are still going to get quite a showcase. They're going to get the best time slot. They're going to be in prime time. They're still going to get all the eyeballs they possibly could. I mean, I'm a little disappointed. It would have been nice to have some extra energy and some extra folks in town and good to potentially go meet some of this this talent that you watch on TV every day. I think that would have been pretty cool, and it would have been – would have been a, essentially, you know, a three-hour commercial for Corvallis, which have been very nice to the community, especially, you know, trying to sell something that other networks have devalued, just like ESPN, and said they're not really worth paying the money for. And uh, you know, I would say for the, this game day thing, I said this on my post-game show after the game, and I'll say it again here: it, there's no real conspiracy of why ESPN's not coming. It's very clear why ESPN's not coming. They they didn't. If they didn't feel like they had to dodge the the question of why Oregon State is in the position it is, they if they didn't have to dodge that, they would be in, in here. They would be in Corvallis. They're like, there's there's no other question. This game was taking place anywhere besides Pullman this week. A top ten matchup, you know they would be there. So like it's it. I would say it's not really a question. It's it, not really a conspiracy of why they're not, not, you, not coming to Corvallis. You
2: Beaver fans are better than me, I'll tell you what. like I, I would be so upset if I was a diehard Oregon State fan just to get the slap in the face and the disrespect that they're showing Corvallis right now. And that's the thing is Oregon State has proven to be a Power 5 program. They run their program like a Power 5 program, and ESPN is treating them like there's bottom feeders. I'm, just, I'm upset about it. I just...
1: Well, do you want game day to be there if you're a Beaver fan? And just so you can heckle game day. Yeah, you do. You know, and throw stuff at. McAfee, throw beaver pelts at McAfee. Yeah, <laughs> like, you, do. yeah. <laughs> you do. You do. You want to? You want to heckle them. Isn't it amazing though, too, TJ, that with all this and, and no coverage for the Beavers, they finished the regular season. Four thirty ABC, five thirty Fox. Like the biggest, but not f- a
0: valuable brand though.
1: <laughs> exactly, not a valuable brand. You know, never mind. Top ten of the CFP or or whatever. What do you think? Where do you think they slot in the CFP uh, in the rankings that come out tonight?
0: They should be ten. I was wondering if they were going to get over Ole Miss and Penn State, but by the looks of the coaches' poll and the AP poll, I'd say they're going to go over both of those teams, especially after how they lost this past weekend. So I'd say ten. So we're, gonna be, this is going to be the first top ten matchup between these two schools ever this Saturday. So that'll be a nice finishing touch.
1: It's crazy to think and. I know it's Oregon at the end of the year. But is it crazy to think that you would almost rather win this Washington game than than the Oregon game? Is that just absolutely nuts? And I only say that because, like, this Washington game, like, you're legitimately favored now. You know, like, mm-hmm. the line swung through zero. You're at home. It's senior day. It's the last time to send off, you know, Beaver Nation in the Pac-12 at Reezer. Like, it would kind of suck to lose that game on Saturday night. Whereas... Oregon, if if you if you beat Oregon, they might still end up in Vegas, you know, at, at the end of it, assuming that Oregon State's lost the UW game, um, because they would have two losses, but they would still probably have the tiebreaker with Arizona, etc. Like that, I don't I don't know that the ramifications against Oregon would be as pronounced as it might seem if you beat them in that game. Whereas if you I mean if you beat this. Washington Huskies team it's still all out on the table for you and you send off your fan base with a high note is it is it crazy to think that you'd almost rather win this game with Washington than Oregon next week
0: I get what you're saying but I think people just want to win both that not even thinking one or the other it's just going for both I mean what better way to send a message to the the 10 to abandon you than to take a spot in, in the conference championship game or you know I, I don't even know where this is in the bylaws Could could they just if they gain control of the conference today, could Oregon State just name themselves into the conference title game? Could they do that? Yes, it should.
2: That leads to this question then, TJ. What what are the expectations for these last two games? Are yeah. Beaver fans expecting two wins? Are they expecting a split? Like if they go zero and two, is it going to be a disappointing end of the season and people are going to be upset? Like what what are the expectations for these final two games? Because these are probably the top three teams in the conference, and you know if you go zero and two, your fans going to be sad about that, or uh, or they just kind of say, you know what, it is what it is.
0: I'm expecting one and one. Uh, there are a lot of people I talk to who expect two and zero. That that that's what it is. Especially with the, the final game down the road, you 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 really you never know. Even if even if the Ducks are end up being a ten point favorite next week, I mean, you, you don't know. These games are can be so competitive. And all it would take was is like Oregon State for the first time this year, like playing a really 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 good game on the road. Like they could do. We we've seen them play at home. Like if they play really really good on the road the expectation should be two wins because they're good enough to do it
1: well you wrote it at 750 com. like the two game season starts now right for the beavers mm-hmm. it was always going to come down to these two games always and that's why i'm still left with a bit of a punch in my gut about that arizona game because like there still could have been more on the table for the beavers here the Washington State game, I guess as well, given what Wazoo has become over the last uh, few weeks, how often are you thinking about those two road losses? And if, you know, one of those goes the other way, if a fake field goal isn't called at the end of the first half, like, you know, yourself and, and Beaver Nation, like how much conversation still is lingering from those two losses?
0: It, I would say it would be more about the Arizona game. If I'm personally going to think about it and think of what game had more opportunities in it, it would have been Arizona. Arizona, they had two drives in the fourth quarter to go down there, take some time off the clock, score a touchdown, and go ahead and give the defense a chance, a, a chance in it. I mean, that's not even like regarding the fake field goal at the end of the half, which was a bad call. Jonathan said it was a bad call as well. So like, there, there's just so many more factors in that game, I think, than just what was overall a bad performance on defense at wazoo and you know give cam warden and, and company credit that was you know the last good game they played this season essentially and it was nearly perfect um so they they i would say earned that one a little bit more early on in the season than i would say arizona late in the season against a good arizona team now like a, an actually good jetfish led program down there in tucson that the Beavers came in there they're favored and they took them right to the wire and probably should have won that game if they clean up any number of mistakes against them and just ended up not uh, not being able to take advantage of it.
1: Did you hear what Jake Dickert said the other day about the lack of funds at Wazoo and Oregon State is 10 xing Wazoo yeah. and NIL? Does, does
0: Oregon State really have 10X NIL? Uh, that's what I was going to ask you. I was that's like, a, is that's I, a really big number. I think I he's – yeah. Either like that or it's really small in really the pollute.
1: Dick Dickert's probably gone. I mean, he he's talking like a coach that's got one foot out the door. I don't know what job he's taken. Maybe Mississippi State or Michigan State. I don't know, but like you, he said Oregon State is ten xing Wazoo. Is like no, there's no way that that's happening in Oregon. I mean, maybe, but I'm not taking his word for it. Uh, that's for sure. Um, still a lot uh, of uh, of runway before Saturday comes. But what's your early lean on Oregon State U Dub on Saturday night? How much of Oregon State's Running game is suitable to uh, take taking down the Huskies. How much of this is going to come down to DJ Youngalay having to make some plays in
0: the clutch? The way I'm thinking about Saturday right now, you know, early perspective. I got a lot of time to sit and think about this over the next few days. But I'm honestly not even looking at the Oregon State offense because we know they have to play well. Like they they have to be good through the air and they need to be good on the ground, like we saw against Stanford, and they were explosive. Both, both through the air and, and on the ground against Stanford. So, like that, like, that has to be the case. Like, there's no if ands, or buts about that. So, I'm actually going to flip it over to the defensive side. Like, they need to figure out some way to not have some of these issues that have popped up this season, especially on the back end, that really hurt them. And, and some of their depth that in the secondary that's been really tested and they've had some trouble tackling and had some trouble covering. Like, th- this is not the group that you can just struggle to tackle and cover against. Because if that's the case, like the Beaver offense, it, isn't even, it doesn't even really matter how good they are. They're not really built to probably go toe-for-toe, shot-for-shot with Michael Penix and, and that wide receiver group and Dylan Johnson, who's really come on the last two weeks. So it, it really comes down to like the amount of pressure Oregon State's defense puts on Michael Penix and do a little bit what Arizona State did to him up in Seattle about a month ago, where they hit him a bunch, they get, put a bunch of pressure in his face, and, and made him uncomfortable which led to UW's only performance of the season where they haven't scored an offensive touchdown. I mean, that's sort of the game plan you have to go after while expecting on the other side your offense is going to have to play in your flawless game.
1: It's going to be a great atmosphere and a great game, TJ. We'll look forward to reading your preview coming up uh, on Thursday at 750thegame.com. Thanks for your work all year with us, and we appreciate your insights. Uh, Thank you, guys. There he is, TJ Matthewson. Uh, joining us on the Bald Face Truth, Nubian Vaughn in for Kinzano, who's covering the courtroom hearing in Colfax today. Uh, he's tweeting out some of the quotes from the attorneys uh, with Washington State and Oregon State facing the departing schools from the uh, from the Pac-12. And it uh, looks like a lot of fear-mongering going on on both sides of, of the aisle there. Eric McMichael, who is the attorney for the plaintiffs, uh, Wazoo in, in Oregon State, and uh, just trying to... Uh, make it clear that they're the ones being left behind and they're the ones that should be able to have the agency in determining their future with the conference going forward. So... um. Trying to pull at the heartstrings a little bit of Judge Gary Leiby. We'll bounce a break and come back, give you the latest from the courtroom. And uh, John Cazano will be back in the chair tomorrow as well to break it all down here on the radio show of what it all means going forward for Oregon State. Chip Kelly apparently out the door at UCLA. Uh, Dan Lanning putting his foot in the ground saying, I'm here in Eugene for the long haul and shut up about the rumors to replace Jimbo. I ain't interested. And how would you rank the Pac-12 coaches of Kalen DeBoer, Jonathan Smith, Dan Lanning? Put them in order. One, two, three. Give me your reasoning why. Take some of your phone calls on the other side on the Bald-Face Truth and the BFT Radio Network.